What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerwiener anymore. Yeah, well, fuck that no longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No. We just, he's sitting right here in front of us <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this time. No wonder there's no bread and milk on my table fuck. in this house. After we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck him. We're just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client we'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been paid out he the hasn't bill. Been paying us. the bed. He's doing it right now, so <laughs> we may as well tell people that if they're in Australia and you need dog gear. Don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. There you go. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right, on to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine suticles. Yep. The best canine suticles. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yeah. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're we pushing for him. It's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara DeGroote. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us and we she love She just Barbara. loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We appreciate it. Thank you, Barbara. You. We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. yeah. The box is incredible. I saw it for the. Did we talk about this? Have we done it? We ad have. Since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I traveled from. Where did he pick us up? What, what airport? That was, was uh, in Colorado. Colorado. He showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking, this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally. He does it. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. Dog Club, South Dog Club Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's got there. It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork yeah, and stuff there. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. It's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have too. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and away <laughs> we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people, yeah, gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. So yep. if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, check it out. So Taylor they Canines. do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. So thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> don't do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you bullfed. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes. But we do have to limit how many people we have. And so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser. And that you align with our ethos as well. Of that, course. That's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing Has it. Has that gone through yet? No, because still trying. Has got shit pines over. <laughs> Dan Croft, puppy classes, yep. cool facility. Barber de Groot. Amazing sugar mama. Love her. From the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy hound dog boxes. Daniel Tropiano. Tropino. Dog clubs. Troppy Daniel. <laughs> Dog clubs. Australia. Yeah. And new to the family, tailored canines. Yeah. All the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah. Mo- do. Mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done. Well played. Thank you, sirs and madam. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And today, we are at PSA Nationals. We're in our hotel room, and we're here with Jen Wormsley and April Hume. Hi, guys. Hi. So, you guys are Crown PSA. We bumped into each other training the other day, Mm -hmm. and we've called ourselves Team Commonwealth. (laughs) Team Commonwealth. (laughs) So, tell us the story. I have seen PSA sort of exploding in the UK in the last three years, probably. Yeah. And I've come to find out that you're responsible for that, April. Wow. I needed a sport to do with my dog, who's just quite an extreme Malinois. Did you start it? Was it you? Yes. I think there was a group. Well, tell us how that happened. Tell us the story. Yeah. She's being modest. (laughs) So a club kind of opened. That was 20 minutes around the corner from me. They hadn't registered, but it was like, we're training PSA. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's 20 minutes around the corner from me. So off I go. I don't know how honest I can be here. <laughs> the training was wank. Okay. <laughs> you can only get yourself in trouble. Um, You're responsible fine. for your own words. <laughs> it was. So I would try. I would drive two hours to train at another place. They weren't doing PSA at the time, um, but we kind of exchanged services with obedience and protection. Okay. Yeah, and then they wanted to. Learn more. About so, so let me just wind that back a little bit. You are something of an expert. I've certainly noticed today in obedience. Today in the level one, you scored mm-hmm. a 95 and a half. Mm-hmm. Quite impressive, impeccable routine. So that's you've got a long history of that. That doesn't happen quickly. Yeah. So you've been training obedience for a long while mm-hmm. and were new to protection, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, Axel's the second dog that I've done protection training with. So okay. Yeah. How did you get so good at obedience? What's, what's the backstory there? I don't really know. It's kind of just been a natural progression from a young age of just loving animals and dogs. Mm. And I've got a horse background, dressage in particular. Um, And I think that has helped. I'm quite a creative person. Mm. I'm sure the dressage would have helped you. Yeah. There's quite a routine and a development strategy behind dressage, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not a horse person at all. Like I actually have a real weird phobia about horses (laughs) and it, came from when I was like a kid, my grandmother put me on a horse to take a picture of me and the horse like took off and I rolled off backwards and fell on the ground. And ever since then, I've ridden horses. One of my ex-girlfriends years and years and years when I was a younger guy, she was really into horses. I never liked it, but I always went for horse ride. I can ride. I'm fine with it. 
I'm just not comfortable around horses. Mm. As much as I've tried, I'm not good with them. But anyway, that's just my whole story. <laughs> just, just to throw us down a, a tangent. So you're from dressage background. Yep. Yeah. And uh, how much of a role do you think that like the movement, the the teaching of that, how much crossover is there to dogs in that? There's definitely a crossover. How I can describe that to you, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> right. It's kind of just in my brain. Sure, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back on track, you had the obedience skills, yeah. married up with these guys and said, hey, let's trade here. I'll teach you guys obedience or, yeah. or the dog's obedience. Yeah, or, yeah. both. Both. Yeah, eventually both. It was yeah. yeah, handlers and dogs. And was that the first club in the UK? Is that sort of how it came about? Yeah, yeah. So um, I got in touch with Jerry mm-hmm. and said, you know, we've been training and he sent Ben over for a welcome seminar, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We're talking Ben Lipinski, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what year was that? That was April last year, was it? Yeah, yeah 2020. Yeah. Wow. That was before you guys had had a trial. Yeah. So PSA's only had its first ever intro seminar in the UK in April of 2022 mm-hmm. and you're here mm-hmm. at Nationals and you guys have yeah. a dog with a leg of a three there as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no fucking around. You guys <laughs> got through the program pretty quickly. Wow. Yeah. That is impressive if you've already got a dog that's starting in threes. How did that come to be? Tell us about the dog culture in the UK. We don't know a huge deal about it because to have that many people that you could that quickly put together a functioning league, which is you guys, I'd say you have, there's competing clubs, there's regular trials and you're here showing at nationals. Yeah. How did that come to be so quickly? Tell us about the dog culture that allowed for that because I've been trying to do it for seven years in Australia and we're, we're only just beginning to make similar ground to that you've done in 12 months. Mm-hmm. The dog culture in the protection world is, I would say it's very harsh on the dogs. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of pressure on dogs in trials. We have um, something called the AVD trials mm-hmm. that happen in England. That comes over from Germany. So it's, what are they? What what happens? They're night those? trials. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, categories, puppies, bronze, silver, and gold. Puppy, silver, bronze, silver, and gold. So for people who don't know it all, elaborate <laughs> a little bit on what those sorts of things are. They're just bite it's, work, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really a test of the dog rather more yeah, than nerve training. And yeah. 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 Nerve and genetics. and. Who are the type of people that are attending that with their dogs? Like, and why? I would say a lot of security type. Okay, so that's breeders. Yeah. Okay, so breeders to test genetics and yeah. security handlers yeah. to ensure their dogs have the goods before they put themselves in a real life dangerous yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're brilliant to go and attend and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. Right. Okay. <laughs> so there's the culture of that, and yeah. how did you then sort of bring the control work element? And because like if there's people people are doing well, so you've done it quickly. Yeah. There are people who have in the past perhaps not really put any work into obedience and are now and doing mm-hmm. really well. Explain that to me. I think we have we have some really strong dogs mm-hmm. in the UK, I think because of these types of trials that we've been doing for so long. Mm-hmm. And all that they were missing was control and obedience. And you find the right handlers that go, okay, I've kind of gotten a bit bored of this bash, crash, smash type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I do? How can I challenge myself and my dog? not that hard to train obedience. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's been a hunger for it as well because yeah. we are seeing American handlers on Instagram mm. and seeing the impressive stuff that is coming out. And oh, Instagram has, it. Yeah, Instagram has a lot, mm. a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. And kind sure. of easier for, for us, sorry, because we're a small island. So where you have a lot of space to cover, we can all kind of get together for a trial really easily. It doesn't take us two days yeah, yeah. to kind of travel somewhere. So mm. it's... 
Elaborate on that a little bit for me, the Instagram thing, Jen, that how did it come to be that you even found out about those people? Like name some of the people that you're watching that make you think, I want to do this sport. And how was it that you even began following them? Like how did you end Mm. up in that loop? And quickly. Okay. Has a massive impact on a lot of people in the UK. Mm Mm-hmm. She's kind of the first name I would think that comes to mind. Jared Wolf, when he was posting a lot, mm-hmm. he's gone kind of quiet. But mm-hmm. There was that guy, Joe, at ACS. Oh, yeah, Joe Sinante. Yes, yep. that's the one. Yeah. So for sure, people like him. And then I, I don't know, the algorithm, just like as soon as you start looking at one, it then shows you more. And certainly when we're looking at healing, I think people are looking for a very specific picture mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, okay. So the names you mentioned – And Jared, like they're known for incredibly precise, beautiful obedience with extremely powerful dogs. Mm -hmm. And so that's something you see those people, you go, oh my God, I want to do that beyond just doing it. I want to compare myself to somebody else that's also trying to do it and try and beat them. Or is it just that I want to do that? Like, was it that there's a drive for competition right away or just that you want to do it? That depends on if your name is April. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think for most they they want to copy they want they see that they want it for themselves one of the most fascinating things about April is she's very competitive okay. she has that drive to be she wants to be up there amongst those people not just kind of like okay you know doing her thing in her corner she's at nationals okay so you've you've just outed April April won't tell us why she got PSA started and you'll say it's because <laughs> she wanted to be up I wanted, am yeah, you, I'm very competitive you're competitive and you wanted to create a league in which you can compete. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I just want to circle back to something that you were saying before where you said that obedience is quite easy. I find that's not so much the case when you're looking at competitive dogs because there's a lot of dogs, and I'm just going to talk about it without sounding egotistical or weird or anything like that because it's not coming from that place. But as a you know a new judge's perspective, a lot of dogs that – I saw in our own country the bite work was really good. Okay. The obedience was lacking, okay. really lacking. Some of the dogs did well. I'm not going to take away from the people who did well in obedience because they are quite learned people. They practice. They listen to their training director. One person in particular I'm thinking trains at our club. Pat's been drilling down on him quite hard, but he's also hard on himself and he works hard and he wants it. Probably like you, he's a he's a very much a silent achiever but a very good achiever at the same token. There's a lot of dogs even through his past before he was a club member that he did amazing things with them, off-breeds, you know, huskies, mastiffs, those sort of things where he just has a natural tenacity to do well with dogs. Like he doesn't just come to club and train at club. He is interested in it and very absorbed in it. So I find that for somebody like you, April, who has a natural love for it and goes away and practices and does the work – For you, obedience is easy. Like it's something that comes simple. It's like people who enjoy mathematics. To them, maths is fun. Mm -hmm. To other people, maths is a horrible thing to do at school and they lament any time that they actually have to do it. And I find that a lot of people are like that with obedience where they love the bite sport aspect of it. So I've seen bite sports attract people through majority because of bite sports. They love the biting aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And the obedience is like supplementary, like, oh, this is the part of the – the thing that I have to do because it's the bite sport. And people out there might say, well, that's not fair. That's not really fair because, you know, I understand that it's a package, but they're still attracted to it from the bite sport. Like really the obedience for a lot of people is nowhere near as exciting as bite sports. When I see 
people out there in the world coming to it and when people have contacted me and said, oh, how can I get involved in it? It's not the excitement of the obedience that they're coming for. It's the excitement of the bite work. And then they realise, and if you go into sports like IGP and so forth, then you've also got to add tracking to that as well. Mm -hmm. So there's an element there where I know even really good competitors to it, the most stressful side for them is the tracking side. But then you get people who love tracking and they say, well, I love tracking. So tracking's not really something that I'm worried about where the majority of people will go, oh, the tracking, it's just killing me. It brings me down. I found that fascinating that you said that comment because for you it is. Like Mm -hmm. I watched you out there. I didn't know you before this weekend. Pat said, oh, when you see April work, she's like a really – Schmick healer, you know, like she, her obedience is neat, it's tidy. She puts a lot of effort <laughs> in. None of those are the words that <laughs> I use. Well, what did you say? What? I said, She's got fucking great obedience, mate. Like, it's really good. <laughs> but, no, you talked it up a bit. Yeah, I said it's great. I okay. didn't say it's schmick. Well, that's, that's my way, it's my elaboration on it. I said, It's incredible healing. You got to check it out. You know how you just outed <laughs> her before? <laughs> <Pat> just- <laughs> Schmick. Schmick. It's schmick because it's your shtick. I was like, it's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good obedience. Did we oh, drive yeah. past a place called schmick? Schmick. Do we? You don't know you don't know that word? You don't have that word? Schwab. No. Schmick means Schwab. Schwab. She saw a road sign and went oh, Schwab. And Schwab. I thought that she was telling me to turn, so we turned. <laughs> we got lost. I thought it was an interesting name for. A well, you guys have been ad- you guys have been adventuring around the US for two weeks now, right? Mm-hmm. Training. Yeah. We actually just got lost. We didn't even intend to be here. Really? <laughs> so <laughs> tell us, like, you here at nationals? Incredible, right? Like, baller move. Tell us about that journey. Like the planning, the decision to mm. even come. You are showing in the ones. Your dog was injured. You got your one. Yeah. Some time ago, mm-hmm. and then. Dog broke its leg and yeah. you couldn't keep showing? How'd that happen? Well, how did he break his leg? No, I mean like <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're not bringing leg, up yeah. trauma. trauma. I don't want the trauma. Okay. okay. But you took some time. He was off. Welcome to therapy. So that's why you're here <laughs> three years later despite the PSA has progressed. You're mm-hmm. in I'm the I'm still ones. in the wands, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, But you're here, decided to show at nationals. Yeah. Huge decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do I say about that? I don't know. Yeah, we closed out the ones in March. Then he had his injury. Mm-hmm. So I've been focusing on his daughter, Scylla, and then thought, well, the amount of trials that we have, I wasn't sure whether he was going to be ready for the, was it June or July? The perfection trial, June oh, or July. One of those. Mm, there was a trial in June or July and he did, he fractured his leg in April. So I thought he's not going to be ready for the twos by then. Mm-hmm. Then... We haven't had another trial right? Okay. planned until December. So I thought, well, we're in the ones. We've got the title. Let's go to nationals. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And so you just came via France. Tell, tell us about the... Yeah. <laughs> Why? It's cheaper. Stress. Yeah, it's mm, yeah, stress. So you drove England to France, mm-hmm. flew from there into New York, and you've mm-hmm. been training around the US for two weeks, building out to nationals? Yeah. Where have you been? We stayed with Ben Lipinski and mm-hmm. Sierra. We trained with them and Adrian was there. She was doing a seminar. Then we trained at Tar Heel PSA Club. Which Adrian? Adrian Harwood. Okay. Decoy Adrian. Mm-hmm. We trained at Tar Heel. I won't go into what happened at Tar Heel. You now have to go into what happened. At... I've never been more embarrassed. 
<laughs> what do you call secondary embarrassment? I'd had, had second hand embarrassment. <laughs> what happened? I was like, we we should go now. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it. Right. I'm not reliving the trauma. Is I'll, this therapy again? I'll tell you the story. Okay. Our cars are not as white as American cars. Okay. Therefore, our leads oh, don't need to be as long. Ah, uh, I see. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's dark. And, and a bad elbow. <laughs> it sounds like your dog came out the window. Of the a dog came out the window. There is a decoy there, very talented guy who has, I'm not sure we were told he is blind, but I think he just has like partial sight. I don't know. <laughs> He's registered blind. He's registered blind. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, she just lets her dog out the window. Doesn't seem to entirely care. I don't know. He, his arse send it. it out the window. <laughs> let's go to the lead and sends the dog at blind man in the dark. Right. Mm. They didn't laugh. She laughed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You didn't laugh either. No, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he had Cody on. Went running towards the dog. That was a wild move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You anyway, should know. Everyone was okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Abe caught the dog like a pro. Okay. Mm. Perfect. No problem. Yeah, he heard it coming. Josh Taylor. So, oh, so he was suited up, like obviously. Like he yeah, was, no, he had, he had the covert sleeve. on. The covert well, he had a covert sleeve on. Okay, right, right. Yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> he was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Josh Taylor probably thinks, why are they here? What's a Wally? <laughs> oh, Wally. Okay, so you, you've, you were you trained with Ben, you went to Tar Hill, you were Janet mm. and Sean. And Jeff and Gina. Yeah, and Jeff we and Gina. Yeah. We loved it there. Okay, oh, so, so now what are we at? Five clubs now, then you were with. John Katz for a few yeah. days. That's where I bumped into you. Mm. We took a road trip with Janet in between. Oh, that we? was a lot of fun. That yeah. was loads of fun. Yeah. Ended up in Alabama. In so, a speakeasy. you know, we, we go through all those clubs. So it seems like the, the PSA community here has mm. really embraced you guys, right? Like, you, yeah. everyone's been pretty supportive. That's so nice. Yeah. Even that you, you let someone, your dog nearly accidentally bite someone. <laughs> Everybody's still friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the training that you've you've seen, you see like some pretty impressive training. You're getting to meet some of the people that, maybe drew you into this that are the mm. ones that how what's that experience been like we are starstruck mm-hmm. aren't we? do you remember that time that we went to jonathan, jonathan katz's place dogma yes. and we were just sat there chilling <laughs> we, we, we were just were sat there chilling everyone, like, and then there's like a knock at the door and someone goes come in which is weird because like no one knocks on that door <laughs> um <laughs> the people just walk in and then pat stewart himself walks in the room and we're like oh my god is that pat is that pat stewart uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a dramatic. Entrance. I was well received. I, I was well received at Dogma when I turned Ooh, up. Which, yeah. is, but but to me, that's a big part of why I love the PSA community because even before there was a podcast and anybody had any idea who I was, it was seven years ago when I first came here to Dallas in 2016 when I was thinking about getting PSA going in Australia, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'll go and watch a trial. Looks like it'll be cool. Do some networking. Blah blah blah. And the same deal. I wasn't moving around the way guys because I, I didn't have that network yet. Mm-hmm. But the guys here in Dallas, I trained with them every day. It, super open arms. Mm. Everybody at the trial, I was. they put up an Australian flag. Oh. It was a whole deal. You know what I mean? Because it was like, you know, one of the early parts of the international thing. And I've developed this huge network of people that now I'm bumping into you and training with people at the same places with this whole community of people that come together it's around this cool. competition, it which is, I think huh? is fucking rad and oh, is one yeah. of the things I'm desperately trying to build in Australia, that same sense of community of people mm-hmm. training like that. There yeah. is. And everybody is so, so very human. Mm-hmm. Like we met Koi last night and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to make you some Vietnamese food. Like it's, it's Koi fam. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm talking to me about food? Yeah. Wild. 
Yeah. And it's funny for us, right, that we have our own little celebrities in our niche thing. (laughs) Like like he has a real job. Like he's a, you know, he's a videographer. He's a real boy. Yeah. Like he has a completely different life outside of this that is just, he's a normal person. But to us, you see him and you're like, oh my God, that's cool. He's such an, he's such a a pillar in this community. He's so well known. He's so, he's so good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the meeting of all those people. Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah, we, we have had to pinch ourselves Yeah, quite a few times. We feel very lucky. It's been quite the trip. Mm-hmm. And so, Jen, you're, you've been the, the accompanier along the way. <laughs> Tell us about your involvement with PSA because you, you're more than just April's talker for her. Glorified bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Driver. You're her. What do they call it in the horse industry where they have the... A groom. No, you know, the, the, the horse's <laughs> friend that goes with it, you know. Uh, a what's horse's it called? friend. You know, when the, the race horses come to Australia, they often bring oh. another horse with them that doesn't race. Cause Sorry, they're the one. we're back to horses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. You're here. I'm here. Yeah. Tell us your involvement in PSA and how it is that you're here. Yeah, so I started training bite work with my dog in like January 22. He's older. He's like five now. He had some messed up foundations and so I went somewhere to get that fixed and I met April there and I was kind of starstruck by her because I'd seen her videos online and thought she was amazing. And then we had the Ben Lipinski welcome seminar Mm -hmm. and April messaged me and said, do you want to share a hotel room? And I was like, yes, I do. This is, I felt like the chosen one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, we've developed a friendship ever since. We're, We're basically inseparable. So you guys didn't know each other through no. dogs prior to PSA. This is a mm-hmm. you guys are met through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your club is Crown PSA, but you were telling me the other day there's now two Crown PSAs that you guys have split mm. because to accommodate more people or because you're training in different locations. Just yeah, location based. So April's in the north to cover that kind of area and I am down in the south. We just felt like because we're roughly four hours apart, we want to train multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. It's just too much to yep. do eight hours driving in yep. a day for us and for the dogs. Yeah, we decided to do it that way, but we're essentially sister clubs. So we share resources and we go visit each other and we're kind of like we regard ourselves as one big community between both clubs, mm-hmm. um, which is they, they take to it. It's really yeah. nice. And, and so your members just kind of divided geographically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're welcome with it. If you want to put in the yeah. eight hours driving, yeah. you go to either one. They're all training tomorrow, together they are, tomorrow. They, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. In, in Without us. Mm. Yeah. Good luck to them. <laughs> And there's other clubs. How many clubs have you got going in the UK now? Oh, that's a good question. One, two, five, six. Oh, How many active Seven, clubs? eight. Ooh, okay. Good. Yeah, something. It's, it's growing. Someone mm. just started a club who we haven't heard of, which is really awesome, exciting yeah. for us because so far, I mean, April's kind of had to really push and grow and we've known everybody. It's a very small community, but it's getting to that point where it's kind of growing Bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Great. So sorry, I cut you off. Back to you. You were obedience trainer or you're a dog trainer for a pet dog, like, trainer. Pet dog trainer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you had a Mally yeah. for a while that you just mm-hmm. were training yourself, not for a particular purpose, just for the training sake. Yeah. So my boyfriend was like, let's get one of these and brought home a Belgian Malinois. And that was a problem. And then it was a problem that I had to fix. Yeah. He's very reactive. He's a lot of dog. It's okay. very intense. So like imagine... Axel's intensity in a problematic pet dog. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. So a lot of my time was spent fixing him, but I always wanted to give him that outlet. And I always loved PSA because I feel like for me, compared to some of the other bite work sports, it's very realistic. Mm -hmm. Like the carjacking scenario. Mm -hmm. And I liked that sort of personal protection vibe, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the control Mm -hmm. as well and the obedience. So as soon as it started, I was very excited about that. 
And with him, with my older dog, I kind of used him as a bit of a test to see how far he could go. And then I've got myself a younger dog now as my sports dog that I really want to take seriously. But he's close as level one, which I was surprised when he got his PDC. So he's done really well. We'll see where we can take him. Okay. But the younger one is the one that I'm really Okay, that's about. the PSA dog. That's yeah. the one you've started. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're still training. Like have you guys sort of commercialized the idea of the way that you train or is that just this is strictly a hobby? Are you now like, you know, because of your involvement in PSA, are you training more higher-end obedience as a job? Has it changed your life in that way or is it remains a hobby? I keep them separate because PSA is my therapy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so pet dogs is like work. Mm-hmm. And then if I want to blow off steam, I get at one of my dogs and I train PSA. Mm-hmm. I do obedience and it clears my head. Yeah, perfect. And I go to club and that's like my day off. Yeah. I think that's one of the important things for a lot of, like it's why I find myself encouraging heaps of dog trainers. You end up eventually doing the same pet dog thing over and over and many people within two years start resenting dogs. Mm. And I think that a lot of dog trainers have a really, certainly I was guilty of this when I first left the army and was training a lot of pet dogs having a really warped view of what a dog ownership is because you only see the bad handlers, right? right. They're the people who have fucked up their dog. Mm-hmm. I remember people asking like what breed of dog they should get and I was like cat. Like, you, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Because you just see problematic line. dog after problematic mm-hmm. dog. I think for the longevity of trainers, like I try and encourage people to get into a sport, if it, even if it's not a protection sport or something, but like mm. a place where you go where dogs are awesome, mm. you know what I mean? And you're not dealing in the reactive dogs because a lot of dog trainers have reactive dogs because that's how they got into it. Yeah. And then you're in the community of all dogs are reactive and everybody has to walk on eggshells around it. Mm. It's one of the things that's awesome here. You look at like all these bomb-proof dogs that people are walking up because we don't get this is not a thing I don't know about in the UK but like having dogs in a hotel like this the way that everybody does at nationals in Australia that is not a thing like that oh no way (laughs) no way to find a hotel where you could host an event like this where people could just bring all the dogs in like that would be I can't think of anywhere Glenn can you think of anywhere that would do that Dogs are now more included in cafes and hotels than ever before, but yeah. not working dogs, like you said. Like yeah. we've tried to pull things off and I've been involved in other industry-related things with hotels as soon as we find out we're going to do anything with dogs. Well, hosting Michael Ellis, for argument's sake. Yeah. Because there were so many interested people in coming along to that seminar, it sold out in 24 hours. It was the fastest-selling seminar we've ever hosted before. And I rang around to other events because I thought, well, more people want to come. I was getting pressure from people and I thought, okay, well, I'll open it up as much as I possibly can. And I rang around to places and, oh, yeah, certainly, sir. We can accommodate you. No worries. What's the event for? It's for dogs. I need 10 dogs there. Oh, no, I'm sorry. As soon as I said there were dogs involved, no, no chance. Yeah. Those sort of things are very disappointing because as um, Pat alluded before, you come over here and – You go to an ISEP conference, there's dogs in there, there's tools on the dog, no one cares, everybody is quite open about it, they're quite thoughtful about it, their dogs are under great control, they're doing the right thing by the community, they're setting good standards and so forth, which when you get professionals all coming together, you usually find that's the case. But, yeah, I agree. It's it's very disappointing. It just doesn't happen, which is why, you know, I'm constantly saying to people, like, get into a real dog sport and be immersed by purpose-bred, purpose-built, purpose-trained dogs and see how incredible life can be with a dog like that. Because mm. I feel like a lot of people in our own industry, like trainers, pet dog trainers, don't even know that you can have it all. 
you know what I mean? Because mm. they've they've started with their reactive dog, which they're going to manage forever and do fine, but they're going to manage it, and then that's all the clients that they see. Mm. And it's so important to have exactly as you said. Like that's going for me. I often tell Glenn, like training is church to me. I'm going to church. This is where I decompress. This is what's important to me. This is the community within my community that I choose to be in this tight part of the community because we all agree that this is a cool thing to do and we hang out and we help each other Mm. stupidly like after our day jobs and until 11 o'clock at night Mm. working each other's dogs. You know what I mean? I think being a part of that is really, really important. Mm -hmm. I just want to, while we're talking about this, I was taking a video of this conversation and I posted on Instagram and somebody who's a fan of yours, April, said, oh, that's April. She trained an amazing Doberman called Husker. Oh, yeah. Tell us about Husker because now the person is real, like they're a dope person. It's Carnelian. Okay. She's really into dobes herself. She's got a male now and she's a member of the club. She is really intrigued about your journey with Husker. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I was contacted by uh, James Day, who's a Doberman breeder in the UK. Mm-hmm. He also did like night trials and those kind of things with his with his dogs. And he wanted to get into PSA. There wasn't a club near him. So he said, you know, can I send the dog to you? You train him up and I'll show him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started training Husker. When was it? Two months ago? Two, three months, I think. Two yeah. or three months ago. I started training him for PDC. Mm-hmm. And he went over to Ireland and trialed him and got a fantastic score. In his PDC. Awesome. Yeah. And apparently really his father happy. was quite a famous dog as well, huh? Yeah, very. What was very his name? Good Doberman. Also Husker. It was Husker as well. Yeah. Yeah. She just said, I think his father had the same name, but I'm not sure. So yeah. would you mind asking her? Yeah. What was so impressive about the father of Husker? Husker the first. It's a strong Doberman. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to find strong I, Dobermans. I totally agree. It's one of the breeds that was originally and did have good, strong working lines at one particular point in time, but they're sort of vanishing from mm-hmm. the world. You know, it's been a critique of ours and other of our friends and peers and colleagues in the industry that dogs like the Rottweilers, especially the Dobes, and to a lesser degree but still a degree the German Shepherds, the dogs that used to be around that were quite impressive dogs in those categories or those breeds are now starting to just fade into obscurity. The males rising, you know, like it's a dog that's, mostly unhindered by a lot of pet people and a lot of show people. And I've I've had some show people get very jaded by hearing me say this. And I'm not blaming all show people because I do know show people and I will give you credibility to the people out there who have tried to maintain a good-looking dog and a working standard dog. But there's so many of them that don't. All they're trying to do is produce something that looks very pretty and we'll win those ribbons and the, the little tin cups at the chance to destroy an entire bloodline of dog that is gone forever. And maybe that dog is no use to the world anymore. I'm not sure. But some people who have written to me saying, Glenn, I think you're missing the point. There's so many issues with dangerous dogs these days. You guys are talking about producing those type of dogs. No, we're not. What we're talking about producing is a solid temperament, strong, courageous type of dog you're missing the point. Like people who send things like that to me, they're missing the point. Would you agree with that or do you think that that's off tangent? No, absolutely I agree. It's hard to find a good working Doberman now. There's a lot of, we have a lot of imports in the UK. And what are they like? They can be very nervy. Mm-hmm. Unpredictable, yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, How do you think that came from? You know, we were talking the other day about an edge of nerve allows the dog to see the world in more detail, mm. allows for more precise obedience, that kind of stuff. What do you think happened there? Like why are most Dobermans nervy? Where did that come from and what do you think someone put too much into? Or do you think it was just that no one cared and as they were going towards show? Or was it that, you know, like you get sometimes traits are tied together and it's not necessarily obvious. So do you think it was like is there a phenotype of Doberman that you think was chased and that led to a more nervy dog? Is there a dog that that can go back to? Is there an understanding of that in Dobermans? You don't know? I don't know. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Because you can't get straight answers from the people who are in it. No. I mean, <laughs> totally. the, the Doberman is the only dog that was bred for protection. Yeah, yep. yeah. So. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It was purpose bred. What challenges yeah. did you face chasing that dog like, that was different? Because people talk that they are different in many ways. And, and every time that I've accused of, like when I say, oh, I don't like working Dobermans, like, it's because you don't know how. And I'm like, listen, yeah. I know there's differences, but dogs are still dogs. I certainly had to push through him, his like resilience barrier. Mm-hmm. But once he understood the game and keep pushing, keep pushing, he's a really lovely dog to work. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been that many challenges other than just that resil- first resilience barrier where he's kind of getting to know me and like his obedience that James had done with him prior to him coming to me was just luring. Mm-hmm. That's all he'd done, luring with food on the nose. So yeah, he had to use his brain a lot because as you know, I'm, I don't really do that much luring. Mm-hmm. I didn't start with luring with him. It was straight up, this is how I do it. And he got the hang of it really quickly. Mm -hmm. He's a nice dog to work and to live with. He's a a really lovely dog. Yeah, okay. So he was fine out of drive. He was stable. Yeah, Yeah, okay. That's that's a treat. Yeah, he is a lovely dog. I've had this second Doberman that I've had from James. The first one was just for like personal protection training Mm -hmm. to go into a, a family house. And that was a really nice dog as well. So, so he got his PDC. Mm-hmm. Now what? What's the future for this dog? So when I, when I go back to England, I go back home. Husker will be at my house. Um, he's dropping him off, and I'm going to start training him for the ones. Wasn't there a Doberman in last year's nationals that won the twos? Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. And she's here. She was in the threes. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. 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 yeah Anubis is a dog's name. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I know, and I've received some funky feedback from this before because I like when off-breeds do stuff, you know, like it's interesting to me to see an off-breed do well in a a trial. I have utmost respect for all people who do well in trials. I think there are some males out there who are amazing. They're built for this. Like they're amazing. They're, They're going to always do well at this type of sport because that's the type of dog that fits the mold in this type of sport. But I still love it when I see an off breed do well. Like when I see a Doberman or like at the nationals in Australia, we just had in IGP, we just had a, an American bulldog outright win the trial. And that was fantastic to see. Dane Herbert is the owner and handler and he's done most of the training with the dog with his club, of course, but fantastic. Dane's very fastidious. He's a very astute type of person. He really puts in the groundwork and it was it was amazing, you know, like he deserved to get it. The dog was a little slow with some of the exercises and some other dogs, but the dog was still precise nonetheless, and it was fantastic to see. I was sitting in the bleachers watching the dog. I've known Dane since he first got into the sport. I actually inducted him into Schutzen when I was the helper down there. He came over to me. He goes, do you remember the day that I came down the club and, you know, like I started training with your club? I said, distinctly. And I said, but look how far you've come, man. Like you're doing amazing. I can't believe you've done this with an off-breed and you've you've done it so well. 
And I really think that's cool when I see people doing well and wanting to do it with these off-breeds. It's not that all of these off-breeds will do well. Like some people come in and they're very brokenhearted because their dog's just the standard is not there in the dog anymore. The bloodline doesn't really exist. It's thinned out so much. So I'm not saying to people just because you've got an off-breed that your dog is going to be suitable for the sport and it's going to be fantastic and it's going to work out so well because it probably may not because of that thinness that's now existing. And really, if you want to do amazing at these sports, if you if you really want to do well and you want to see a future in it, you are better off getting a, a dog like a Malinois or something like that that has the genetics for, especially for PSA or IGP, because I don't know anywhere near as much as Mel's, about Mal's as Pat does, but there's still variances in the dogs that do well in the PSA side of things and the IGP side of things. Mm. Hey, April mm-hmm. and Jen. I've seen you train April because you have your dog here and Jen, you don't. So, but question to both of you, you're a very accomplished trainer, right? You have a strong method. You're well known. We've talked about the successes that you've had. Yep. You know what you're doing. You've come here to fucking do well. I can tell and you are, mm-hmm. but in the couple of weeks you've been here, you've been training with a bunch of people. What have you seen that you go like, Oh, I'm going to put that in the Rolodex of things. Cause that, to me, this is the reason I love coming to this kind of shit and training with people prior to nationals because I learn tons just by the little tricks that I see people do that I didn't know about. Yeah. What did you see? Definitely the punishment event, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> um, subject. I'm not definitely not baiting you to talk about me. I'm genuinely curious if you've seen anything else anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of inspiring, inspiring work and teams and mm-hmm. that's been great as far as what have I learned? Honestly, the punishment event is kind of the biggest, the biggest thing that, okay. has, that I've thought, okay, this is what I need to change yeah, okay. and, and improve. Yeah. So just the difference in sort of understanding that is kind yeah. of like, to me at the moment, that is the sort of rampage that I'm on is, you know, it's the hill I've decided to die on is really educating people on helping them use pressure in a way where the dog understands the difference between am I doing something or am I stopping something Mm -hmm. and really clarifying that to the dog and doing that in a way that is straight communication, not like forcing the dog to give up, but actually saying to the dog like, hey, that's the wrong path, man, go down this one, not versus be afraid of doing that thing so that you do this other thing instead. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cool that you like learning <laughs> It's definitely something I'm happy to be spreading the word on and getting as more because I just think that it's much fairer and it, it leads to a really strong understanding as I think we saw. Yeah, because that's that's my main struggle is protection. Obedience, I feel confident with that. Um, I feel like I can problem solve obedience and I know where my weaknesses are. I know what I need to work on. I know I've got to work on the bad things, things I'm not good at. I'm very aware of that protection. It's not my forte. Mm-hmm. So... That's where I sort of, I'm more inspired. So when you say that, because your dog's a killer. <laughs> yeah. So you've had people who really can build a dog, or the dog is incredible by yeah. himself or a combination of both. I've had some fantastic decoys. Yeah, okay. Help so, build that dog. Yeah. So you have some really good decoys mm-hmm. and that was prior to PSA ever being a thing just because yeah. of the dog community. You guys have I've got a flush for people yeah. who really I know mean, how to build a dog. The kind of trials that we have been doing in the UK and that we still do in the UK require strong dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you destroy the dogs that that aren't. They're not going to make it through. And obviously, the competitiveness makes people want the stronger dogs. Mm-hmm. So that's what we breed. That's what we breed for. When you say that 
protection is not your forte. Mm. Do you still direct it? Do you understand what you're looking for and you say to your decoys, this is what I want, this is what I need you to do and this is how I want it to go and how it to look? Or do you rely on their experience to guide you through that or a bit of both? Both, for sure, both. I feel like I know a lot more than I did when I started, but I feel like there's so much so much more that I need to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the nice synergies in the relationships when you do have – good decoys and you do have people that are really astute in something else such as obedience and so forth. And that's how clubs should operate. I mean, it's like a, a successful village where everybody has a skill set, but they all come together and somebody says, well, you're the fisherman in the village and you're the cook and you're the thatcher who builds the roofs on the huts and so forth. So what I'm going to go out, catch the fish. I'm going to cook them. You're going to build the houses and that's how it's all going to come together. And that's how the village thrives. And that's how a good club should operate as well. Like everybody needs to know what their job is and not be egotistical about it and come down there and piss and moan about, oh, I didn't get a go or I didn't get to do this. What they need to understand is, all right, so this dog is not ready for trial yet, but this dog is. You know, it's like most people who prepare fighters. There's people that will come down the gym and just punch bags and there's other people who are actually going to go on and help the person who owns the gym actually make some money out of their time because they're ready to be title fighters. And it's the same thing with dogs who are going to go into trials as well. It's nice that other people are coming down and they're coming up and they're young juvenile dogs getting worked, but they also need to understand and help the people who are going to represent uh, and come to nationals or go to regionals and so forth. I love seeing that. I love when a club can all come together and they can put it behind themselves and make that happen, find those little synergistic pockets and everybody helps make it actually work. It's cool when you've got somebody who really thrives on obedience and wants to say, all right, guys, next Saturday, I'm going to take you all through obedience because your obedience needs help. And the weekend after that, or on one of the weeknights that we go go training, the decoys are going to take you and they're going to start priming you up for doing the carjacking scenario or whatever it needs to be helped in. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, as a club, we also travel around to different, not necessarily PSA clubs, but other protection mm-hmm. clubs, I guess they are. Yep. Like the, maybe they do KMPV or they do the street yep. street trials um, and the night trials. So they have fantastic decoys that know how to build dogs and they'll see holes that maybe we potentially don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the really cool things about sports, like because there's no money and there's no prize money, right? So like everybody's just kind of helping everybody it's not like anybody's getting rich off of it beyond a decoy might charge per hour or something like that. But take, for example, your dog's guard, a fucking really good decoy built that guard. Like you are involved in it for sure, but you can't teach that a decoy has to help you build that and they have to be proficient and know what they're doing. So it becomes a team sport in that way. Would you agree? You mean my out guard? Yeah. You know how many poor men to help me with that? <laughs> really? Because it's inc- it's incredible. Like it's so tight and it's terrifying. And my dog will bite anywhere. Yeah. That's a lot of work to get to that point. A lot of people have to be on the receiving end of those teeth to build that guard like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I first taught it just on myself and then transferred it over to a decoy. Yeah. I've got some cool videos. And I'll bet. To see that that tra- transaction, yeah, that transition from me to the decoy. Yeah, and you need a willing petit like you need someone that's like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. let's see how this goes. I'm really lucky that I've got some brave decoys yeah. that have helped me yeah. with him and helped me see sort of a vision that I wanted because mm-hmm. um, I can be quite particular. Your dog, we, we mentioned his name before, Axel, he's a very, very intense dog. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a lot. Yeah. At what 
obviously you wanted that. Yeah. At what age were you able to discern that? How old was he when you got him? So Axel came over from Hungary at about, I think he was like 12 weeks old when he came over. And I was training at a club that just did like security dog training. And he'd imported two dogs over, one for him, one for one of the other members. I had my first protection dog. Um, that I was just dabbling with and learning. I did kennel club obedience with my first with my first dog. I suppose I was thinking about getting a Malinois and the trainer imported these two dogs over and I just fell in love with Axel. From 12 weeks old, I would get him out of the trainer's car and he'd be decoying and I'd be handling him. And once he got to like four months old, I bought him. Right. Yeah. He was like a fully grown dog by five months old. Okay. One of those. Yeah. And I was like, I want that dog. And that they were called that in the business. That was all. And he's yours ever since. There's quite yeah. a few stories like that. Like that's very similar to Ben Lipensky and Fury mm. was training the dog for someone else. And was just like, no, this is my dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was me and Randy. Yeah. Randy was Dave's dog. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Dave asked me to buy the dog for him. He asked me to handle and train him. And after a while he looked at, he goes, uh, you really love that dog, don't you? And I said, yeah, I really do. And he goes, oh, they can't separate you two. That would be cruel. Yeah. And he just gave me the dog. So that mm. was a, Dave's my boss and he's also like my best friend and like a brother to me. And uh, yeah, he said to me, oh, would you mind buying the dog? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And I rang the breeder and, and did it. And yeah, a year went by, I trained it and he used to come down and say, oh, I'm so happy with him. And then he, he just realized that it would be cruel to take him off me because I kind of thought, oh, I'm prepared to do it, but it's going to break my heart doing it, like handing him to him and all the potential the dog had. And, yeah, he gave him to me and it was a great relationship I had with my dog. So I understand that. I, yeah. I think that's really cool when that happens. Mm. Funny story. The original owner, his name's Chris, the trainer that imported him, is still his owner on the passport. And right. when we came through customs, <laughs> the security guard goes, who is Chris? <laughs> my friend <laughs> and then he was convinced i was going to sell the dog over here yeah i was like not enough money could buy this dog okay he's coming back with me <laughs> yeah he's a hell of a dog yeah and put on a hell of a show hey i won't keep you guys up all night it's late you got to compete tomorrow you're mm-hmm. showing in the protection i want to give you a huge good luck congratulations even on being here mm. like it's incredible yeah you, your showing today was incredible but the effort that you've put in and the whole process of getting here and the risk that you've taken, I think is super cool. Absolutely. That's why I think that I'm like, I'm going, yay, go April. Yeah. <laughs> hope you guys win. Hope you do. Hope you do as well as you, you're happy that you can, right? And mm-hmm. and Jen, also, I see you. I see the support that you're giving to April. It's a big trip for you to be here in support of creating a team around PSA in the UK and representing everyone. I hope that they appreciate you guys back home and see what you're doing because yeah. you're making big inroads here. We have a lot of support back home. We do. We've got fans all around the world. You've got people in Australia who think that you're pretty incredible. So, really? Yes, really. Oh, I mean, wow. that, I, Doberman as people. I, <laughs> as I said, I had people reaching out to me while we were doing the podcast yeah. saying, oh my God, that's April. So that it's was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't even know about Husker. They're the ones that told me about it. So mm. there you go. I just feel like I'm walking on a cloud. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so keep doing what you're doing. Thank for, you. for people who might want to get in touch with you, if, if you want to, what people get in touch with you in any way <laughs> give your instagrams at least people will find you anyway yeah i'm just me april.hume yep. on instagram yeah jen mm, read the mally you're red the mally mm. and that's you you're red the mally <laughs> that's me i'm a dog and crown psa crown psa yeah 
we're doing a thing, right? I'm doing a Zoom call for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that. it up, but I don't know when, you, when you're – Oh, and this will be out at some point, hopefully. When Great. are we doing that? That's within a couple of weeks, right? Uh-uh. This will be out before that. Yeah. 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 So I should check. But soon we are going to be hosting Pat on something we have named the Zoom Sessions, which is where because we live on an island and we don't have access to knowledgeable people all the time, we have invited some very incredible people to do essentially a Zoom kind of like a like a seminar but like Mm -hmm. for an hour Mm -hmm. so we have six working spots we're calling them where you get to ask a question essentially have a 10 minute conversation with someone you wouldn't otherwise have access to via zoom and then we also have audit spots where people can listen in and learn Mm -hmm. so So it's a big big zoom call and you've done it with jerry you've done it with ben already Mm -hmm. doing it with janet or has she done it already uh yes we're doing it with janet next so that is going to be on the 14th of november 14th of November. And then we have you on the 28th of November. Yeah, okay. So I'm 28th of November. I'm mm. going to be uh, <laughs> I've got doing like an whole AV using production. <laughs> yeah. I'm using you as a warm-up for- Everybody's um, going to be so overwhelmed yeah, by the difference. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm using it as a warm-up for doing those kind of live thingers. So I'm, it's going to be over the top. Or I might get lazy and not and just be me in front of my laptop. I knows. mean, you've mentioned like multiple cameras. So far it's <laughs> yeah, just been like, you know, fuzzy laptop- yeah. Yeah, but I think it's a great idea because you you bring the knowledge over. I'm very happy to do it. People can, I don't know, we'll post something along with the episode, Mm -hmm. a link to how people get involved in that. Yeah. Um, And And people all around the world can do it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Did we talk money? I don't know. (laughs) Well, for... (laughs) I thought it was free. (laughs) (laughs) For people to sign up, it's very reasonable. Okay. How much is it? Uh, £25 for a working... Mm -hmm. Spot and twenty pounds for an audit spot. Yes, oh, that's cheap. Yeah, it's really yeah, reasonable that's really to cheap. get yeah, access great. to these yep. incredible people, yep. and people are already very excited about yours. So, oh, cool. Yeah, mm. it's gonna be great. All right, wonderful. Well, thanks for doing it, guys. Mm. Appreciate you. Good mm. luck tomorrow. Thank you. For Thank you. Us. All right, that's it for another episode of Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from, and then go to another one, and then do it there as well. This is the fast forward version again. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get to it. Yeah. If you want to support the show, jump into Patreon. There's a giant backlog of information mm. in there. We do live streams once a month. There's all kinds of shit in there. It turns out you can give as much money as you like. You can give as much. That would be great. You could give it like you're allowed. No one stops you. You're like allowed. Like if you to just want to empty a bank account or yeah. like stick somebody up or yeah. whatever. You can give as much as you like. Do no it. No one stops you. Yeah. Uh, to and catch the society, just keep Bitcoining us. Yeah, buy our T-shirts. Yeah. Get them. Do that. Yeah. I put the link up. It's ridiculous that people don't know who we are now and keep asking about <laughs> merch. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to get in contact with us, jump into the Facebook discussion group. It's Canine Paradigm Discussion Group. Don't be a dickhead to anyone in there. Where it's one of the last places in Facebook where yeah, that's still the case. Absolutely. Or you can shoot us an email. We are info at thecanonparadigm.com. I love you. Goodbye.